Hey guys, this is Sarah Beth, and you are listening to episode 36 of the Simply 127 podcast. Today's guest is Dustin Dozier. He is a husband to my good friend Sloan. He is an adoptive dad, and he's the teaching pastor at Upstate Church Five Forks. It's just outside of Greenville, South Carolina. Um, you might remember Sloan was a guest on the Simply 127 podcast in season one, and her episode is episode nine. So make sure you check that out. She will tell a lot more detail to some different parts of their story. Um, but today, Dustin, we're so excited that you've joined us, and thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored. I'm nervous. This is uh, my first time ever doing a podcast, so I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited to be your podcast debut for sure. Yeah. I was just saying before we hit record, I've known Dustin longer than any other person who's been on the podcast except for his wife. So I actually That's met right. you 19 years ago this summer. That seems crazy to me. I know. You have uh, You have definitely been an instrumental part of our family's journey and just... Um, me and Sloan, even prior to us having kids and starting a family, you've been right there in the thick of it. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I like to kind of attribute uh, your master's degree to my uh, ability to keep your wife entertained and your kids entertained while you could study. I, I totally agree. <laughs> that is that is totally truth right there. So. Um, we're just going to jump right in. I mean, first, I'd love for you to tell, obviously, I know your story, but people who don't know a little bit about your story, particularly what point foster care or adoption became a conversation or um, an idea of a way to grow your family. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first, you know, um, so right now I'm a campus pastor of a multi-site uh, church in the upstate of South Carolina, just outside Greenville. And um, so I've been in ministry for a long time, but did student ministry uh, at several churches in the Southeast before this role. And I've been here for almost three years, but um, kind of going all the way back. I didn't grow up in a church home and uh, I didn't come to uh, really understand and start to follow God until I was 14 years old. I just kind of went through middle school, you know, I, I call it my uh, my awkward like stage that I would never <laughs> want to go back to. I think everybody's middle school experience is like that. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty but, common. <laughs> yeah, just as kind of this young man trying to figure his way out, just dabbled in some really unhealthy friendships and got involved in drinking and, and, and alcohol, you know, with alcohol and drugs and stuff. And and then my freshman year of high school, met some friends that didn't look like me, act like me at all, <laughs> and invited me uh, to church for the first time. And really, to be honest, I, I went, they, they invited me to this student ministry event that was um, kind of a lock-in thing at a place that had batting cages and go-karts and putt-putt. And um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the girls in the group I thought was cute. So I was like, hey, she's there. There's going to be free pizza and, and let's do this. <laughs> it's a win-win, right? Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> It was a win-win. But little did I know at the time, um, I get there and the youth pastor speaks for like 20 minutes, presents the gospel. And I just knew at that point something was missing hmm. in my life. And so for a couple months, started to go to church and for all the wrong reasons, to be honest. And then um, I just remember on a Saturday night, um, just for the first time ever praying and saying, okay, God, like there's got to be something more in life than what I'm living. And mm -hmm. so if you're real, 
uh, show me the purpose of my life and a purpose of life. And this is just how God works. That was a Saturday night, Sunday morning. I go to church and the pastor starts off the sermon. Hey, my message is titled, um, the purpose of your life or something, something along those lines. You're it was like, like light bulb. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like this oh, moment. And, and so me, this kind of, uh, shy, reserved, kind of dark, I guess, kid walked the aisle kind of in your traditional <laughs> Southern Baptist church, went down to the front and gave my life to Jesus. And, and so ever it. since, yeah, ever <laughs> since then, God was just working in my life and I got involved in student ministry right away. But then, um, I would say adoption really kind of came into my heart, um, after going on several mission trips and just, mm-hmm. just seeing the need, um, internationally of so many kids that at young ages were just kind of walking the streets and peddling, um, things to make income yeah. for their family. And it has softened my heart. You know, it's, I, I know you know this and, and your team knows this, but you can see pictures and you can hear stories and even see videos but once you physically are in that situation with, and your eyes are seeing it firsthand, man, God just uses that. Yeah. And so in that, I was like, man, God really um, is calling me to do that. And so me and Sloan, we knew, um, you know, even before we were dating, that was going to be something. And so, so, yeah, that was going to be on our hearts. We knew it was part of our, our story and all that. Um, we just... We just didn't know what that looked like for our future. As I mentioned in the introduction, Sloan was a guest on episode nine of the podcast. So please go back and listen to that if you want to know much more detail about your actual adoption journey, relationships with different agencies, kind of a step-by-step of how it all unfolded. But for this conversation, can you just give us a little abbreviated version of that just to give us some context? And then I want to focus most of our time about you being a pastor and just how this adoption journey has affected your personal relationship with God. Yeah, definitely go back and listen to episode nine. I mean, my wife, uh, she's going to tell the story a lot better um, and probably a lot quicker, but I'll give you the condensed version. We we essentially, having a heart to adopt, so we started through that process. We were going to, we started some uh, domestic adoption through um, a organization, and um, in the midst of that, the Haiti earthquake happened. I don't know if you remember, I forget what year that was, but that took place, and and so a friend reached out to us and said that Bethany Christian Services, which is a huge uh, international um, uh, adoption agency, were going to be hosting Haitian orphans, essentially looking for respite care, looking for kind of temporary housing stateside. Mm-hmm. And so we signed up for that as the earthquake, and they were kind of um, kind of going through that mess. And so we had all of our background checks and paperwork in, and but then that opportunity never presented itself. And so all the paperwork is in, but long story short, a few months later, they called us and said, hey, would you be willing to um, host a little boy named Zion uh, for five weeks? And we said, yeah, sure. So we did that. After that, he went into foster care. And long story short, <laughs> they... Um, after that, about a week later, like we, I mean, we fell in love with Zion and he had a, a younger brother named Triumphant who was eight weeks old at the time. And, um, 
we just fell in love with Zion and wanted them in our house. We weren't certified foster parents, but by the grace of God, like <laughs> a week later, um, through a mutual friend and some connections. And we, a crash course. <laughs> yes. Essentially, instead of taking like a, whatever it is, a 12-week or something um, certification course on a Sunday afternoon, they certified us. And then that Thursday, Zion and Triumphant came into our house. <laughs> Um, and so it was kind of a whirlwind. And and so at the time, like I said, they were, um, I don't know, like 15 months old and eight weeks around there. And then a couple months later, um, biological mom called us and had a third child. And and so we were actually able to bring him, he's our, no, our youngest, Noah, home from the hospital. So we had we got three kids in a fairly quick amount of time. <laughs> yeah. So from the baby to the middle is 11 months. Yeah. So you had and three the, under that were two and under. <laughs> yeah. Two, 11 months and a newborn. We, we kind of said, Sloan might've said this in her episode, but we, we kind of joked because at the time that John and Kate plus eight PLC show <laughs> was popular. Yeah. Uh, and we were like, we need to do a show called three under three and they don't look like me. <laughs> But yeah. we knew that that wasn't good for our marriage. <laughs> we didn't pursue you, that. You missed your window of opportunity right there. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just say one thing, I, I can't remember if she shared this in that episode, but um, when we were kind of going and navigating the adoption process from the beginning, uh, I remember she was ready to adopt and I wasn't. I was selfishly saying we needed to have, quote, our own biological <laughs> kids. Yes. And God just totally woke me up in the middle of the night and convicted me and said, hey, why does it matter? Like, well, you keep saying your own. All kids are mine. And so kind of a slap, <laughs> a slap in the face, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, and, and that really was, to answer your question, a huge um, milestone in my perspective in my relationship with God. Because I felt like so often just as Christians— we can kind of pick and choose and elevate people's sins and, and kind of judge this and that. Mm-hmm. And God was saying, hey, I'm the God of everybody. And <laughs> it, it doesn't matter the baggage or the situation. Um, yeah. I'm pursuing you. And so, one, that has helped my relationship with God to know he's pursuing me no matter what. Like, he loves me unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to disappoint my Heavenly Father um, with that. And not from like a legalistic standpoint, but with this desire of, man, like I want him to be proud. Like I want good and faithful servant to be, be heard by myself uh, <laughs> right. when, I, when I pass. But then like as a dad to my kids, um, I just think becoming a dad, you have a perspective of what God, how he sees you. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I love my kids unconditionally. Do they get on my nerves at times? Yeah. Do they dis- <laughs> do they disappoint me and do things that go against what we've taught them? Yeah. But there is nothing that would change my love for them. And I think that is probably through this adoption, through the adoption process. Um, I, I just love, I just love them. And, and I, I mean, obviously that sounds, well, of course you're supposed to love them, but <laughs> I can just see it as an aspect of my relationship with God. I just see it from a different lens. Well, first of all, I thought your boys were completely perfect from as far as I can see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, and I do love, I love the God's pursuing you side, but I also love the reminder of 
even if you'd had biological children, God would still be the owner of them. <laughs> like they're not yours. Right, absolutely. So. <laughs> a- absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, people will say like, do you ever think you'll have your own kids? I'm like, what are you talking? These are my kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah. You know, anyway, that's an educational piece, but, um, but yeah. This season on the Simply 127 podcast, we're talking about how the gospel is central to the work of caring for the vulnerable. And I know you alluded to this a little bit, but I would love for you just to kind of talk a little bit more about as a pastor and as a dad, how do you see this truth of the gospel being central to the work of caring for the vulnerable? Yeah, essentially, we went from zero to three kids in nine months' time, and it was kind of crazy. And when we were out and about, I mean, at the time, they were literally two months old or two years old, 15 months old and a newborn. And so we would get the question a lot of times of what, what are they? I'm thinking, <laughs> um, I'm not really sure how to answer that, but like brothers, or are you asking if they're twins? Cause they're close. Yeah. But I see that because I think really this, this understanding of the gospel and taking care of the widow and the orphan and the vulnerable I think it's so huge because if you really think about it, the world that we live in is is looking to Christians and saying, "What are they? Um, what like you know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. Like what what do they stand for? What you know? What are they about? And I think so often our world sees us more for what we're against than what we're for. Mm-hmm. And I'm just reminded, like I believe it's First Peter um, two in chapter two. Where it's like, hey, you know, we are a chosen people. We're we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, uh, God's very own possession. And then he says, the writer says, to show others the goodness of God. And and so I think as believers, adoption and caring for the vulnerable, even whether it's adoption or foster care or respite care or something like that, mm-hmm. that they are are all are all a part of the process of showing others the goodness of God. That essentially, I love this John Piper quote. He says, I don't know if you've heard this uh, before. It's something along the lines of like, our deepest and strongest foundation for adoption is not located um, in the act of humans adopting humans, but God adopting humans. And I think that is just so true that that's the gospel. God adopted us, and even in our mistakes and everything, through Jesus. And so we should, it's central. Taking care of the vulnerable is a responsibility of ours to to do that. And, um, you know, corporately as a church, but also individually. That's an interesting um, picture that you draw, just because I know I've been in the grocery store with you guys when people stop you and say things. But it's like, because of your (laughs) obedience, you do look different, and it does draw people's attention and you're right. These days, it seems like Christians are drawing people's attention for not the right reasons. But it's like, hey, you guys are different. Tell me about that. Even yeah. though it comes out in ways sometimes, like, are you are there <laughs> are they triplets? And you're like, obviously, they're are they're not the same age. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was always a blast. They're like, are they triplets? I'm like, two are walking, and one is in a, a car carrier. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, okay, so let's think about, uh, we've talked a lot about community and just the importance. Um, I'd love to hear, even though I've had a front row seat, what are some of the ways that friends and family or your church community have played a role for you through this process of um, your family becoming a party of five? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, 
you know, we've all heard the saying, it takes a village. And that right. is so true. <laughs> Just from the from the early stages, um, like I said, in a matter of nine months, we went from zero kids to three. And so we were overwhelmed. And it was um, our community at our church and um, just friends that would help anything from diapers and formula to cribs and uh, babysitting and whatever the case may be. That That is huge. Um, but I would also say uh, for us, because our kids are um, multi-ethnic, that we look for diversity in our community, mm-hmm. that we have to be very intentional because they don't look like us. Um, our church uh, doesn't look like them. And mm-hmm. and so we have to be very intentional about looking at uh, the role of different people in their lives. And so we intentionally um, have them at a school in our community that is diverse. Um, we look for relationships and have people over that don't look like us. Um, they look like them. <laughs> and it's so it, it's a strong part because just through adoption, their identity um, of things uh, can be an uphill battle in a lot of ways. And I'm just a big believer in widening the circle yeah. of, of other influence, good influence, Christ-like influence in their lives to see it's not just mom and dad that believe this way or think this way or are teaching you these things, mm-hmm. but a lot of people in that circle are doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, in general, the Big C Church is still one of the most segregated places, but I love the strides that you guys have taken just for even having um, older men mentor the boys and things like that. I think that is a good example, but it's also great, you know, setting a precedent for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you have been an instrumental part of that, you know, um, just because you've been there, you've been in the highs and lows and whether, you know, it's living in the neighborhood and like you said, getting us through seminary <laughs> um, uh, to, you know, loving on our kids at Disney World. Uh, it's just been it's just been great. And uh, I'm so thankful for relationships yeah. um, like this and so many others. We'll save the taking a how what eight month old, a one year old and a two year old to Disney World for a different podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Oh, that's like the outtakes for sure. There's a lot of comedy. Um, So think about where you were. Let's see. Your oldest is 12. So maybe about 12 years ago this time. I would love to know what advice or words of wisdom. I know you mentioned Piper, maybe some influences. Um, People who are just curious, how would you point them in the right direction if they're considering foster care or adoption as a family? Yeah, I would definitely say, I know the overly spiritual question is pray. Um, (laughs) You just need to, you know, pray through those things because um, I think like, I don't know, for me, like in the back of my mind, I had this picture of um, adoption being this easy road of, hey, here's here's your child. And it was all great and grand and, and seamless. But every situation of adoption or foster care uh, is different. And every kid is different. Every home situation is different. Um, And there's a multitude of different ways that you can adopt, whether it's domestically, whether it's internationally, whether it's through foster care or from a family member or something. Mm -hmm. And so this praying through that, um, I think, is huge. Um, And second, which is connected to that, um, I would say that you really have to be uh, flexible and just trust the Lord and his timing because it, you know, it, it could be 
a couple months. It could take a couple of years. Um, through our journey, uh, we had a relationship with the biological mom and dad um, as we were caring for the kids. Mm-hmm. And so we had to look at that as an opportunity, even mm-hmm. in their failures and mistakes, uh, look at it as a ministry to them to show them Jesus. And and so, it, you know, it's just really easy that if your heart's not in it and you haven't prayed to be mad at everybody and to be selfish with it, but you just have to trust the Lord and be flexible um, through that. And so I would say do that. And and I guess my last tip is if you're thinking about adopting or fostering, ask people who have done it before, kind of get a realistic uh, picture of what it means and kind of figure out maybe your church has a ministry or there's some some place, um, some kind of organization in your community that you can partner with and just kind of walk through that and get your questions answered. Uh, I think most of most of us would do that anyway, but just be over the top, be very proactive in that before diving deep and yeah. being hit with any surprises. Yeah, that's good. I think yeah. you answered the gospel question um, more from your personal perspective. I think as a pastor, that brings a unique way. You know, we look at the Bible talking about caring for refugees and the poor, obviously James 127. <laughs> um, yeah. What drives the, I'll say the big C church, so not just your church personally, but um what drives the big C church to reach out to these groups of people to care for the vulnerable? Is there anything as a pastor you would say differently than personally, I guess? Um, I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily say anything uh, differently because personally it should reflect um, the church as well um, that the church historically has really stood in the gap um, for the vulnerable. And I would say probably in the last hundred or so years, we've just have failed to do that. And I think, uh, I, you know, this is just my opinion, the church in so many ways, and some churches are better than, than others in this, but it's, we're all guilty of the church wants to have incredible programs. And so we do amazing things inside the walls of the church for discipleship and opportunities for serving and Sunday mornings. And, and those things are great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, i I'm at a church. I'm a pastor. <laughs> so I know, like, uh, yeah. I don't want to sacrifice quality. Th- those things are great opportunities, but we cannot forget about the outreach. We cannot forget about, um, I always say, people are greater than programs. And, and mm-hmm. so, for ways for us to connect in our community and to meet the needs of that, whether it's partnering with the local um, DSS department and kind of saying, hey, anything from helping out with the kids for school supplies to the actual caseworkers that are doing things because they're they're overworked and a lot of times they get you know um, frustrated and and want to quit and whatever the case is, but the church should take ownership in that and in our in our ability um, in our finances and the amount of volunteers we have to really look for opportunities that we can be proactive um, in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good word. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think just thinking through kind of a, this is a little bit off the script question, but looking over the last decade of, of your life, um, how has this whole process of one, just becoming a dad, um, how has it strengthened your marriage? How have you guys, I know you talked about being flexible. Um, what are some lessons just personally that you would kind of uh, attribute to this last decade of, of growth for you? 
Who? That's a that's a good question. <laughs> um, I don't know, like because my, whatever my answer is, it, it kind of seems braggadocious and a little <laughs> bit. Um, but like, I would like to think that definitely, as you're raising kids, that. I mean, it all goes back to my relationship with God. It, it seems mm-hmm. like I have a closer relationship with God because of my kids. And that, that's good and bad, <laughs> like in the sense of, golly, they make me pray a lot. <laughs> um, it's increased but, your time with God asking for forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. A lot of, a lot of repentance for sure. <laughs> um, but I also think, I think one of the joys of being a dad, and especially since I, I didn't have this growing up, is to be able to pour in, in, into my boys this is the truth of God. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a, hey, we're going to sit down and for 30 minutes, Pastor Dad is going <laughs> to preach to you this sermon out of Romans. It is yeah. just in the simple things. Like we, um, we use the Bible app when I drop them off at school in the morning. So we just read one verse or the verse of the day and pray with them. And I love that time. Um, they're probably like, okay, dad, like get us out of the car. <laughs> but, you know, it's like just simple things. Or if, the, if I see them uh, accomplish something that they didn't think that they could accomplish, saying, man, isn't that awesome that God did that um, through you? And, mm-hmm. and really, you know, hopefully speaking into their identity as young men. Um, and so I, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And your marriage, I know it'd be, yeah. it would be braggadocious too, to say you have the an awesome wife, but <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll commend yeah. that to you. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, she's definitely my better half and keeps me, <laughs> keeps me in check uh, for sure. But you know, like um, any marriage, I mean, having kids is a challenge and you just have to make your, your marriage a priority. Um, and it goes through seasons where it's like, man, right now is really tough, but got to work through that and you got to be on the same page as you're raising kids. And I think through that, we get to know each other better and, um, and we grow in our relationship with God together in that. Yeah. Awesome. Was well, there anything yeah. else that maybe we left out? I definitely want to give people, if they're pastors or dads who want to reach out to you, maybe a way that people can get in touch with you on Instagram or something like that, or any like closing thoughts before we wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, I would love to help out anybody who's just there, um, kind of, kind of wrestling through all the what ifs of adoption mm-hmm. or foster care or what that I means. There's so many, so many questions. So I'm an open book. Feel free to uh, contact me, and um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Just look up Dustin Dozier. I'm there. That's my my Instagram handle is at Dustin Dozier, or okay. uh, you can email me at ddozier at upstatechurch.org. But um, but yeah, I would love to walk walk with that and answer any questions and and just kind of be a sounding board, if you will, um, through that. So yeah. I appreciate that opportunity. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. This has been fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening in today. I am a huge fan of the entire Dozier family, and I really have joined them on three different Disney vacations. (laughs) With three adults, it allowed us to have man-to-man coverage instead of Sloan and Dustin just having zone coverage at Disney World. Plus, maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment. Anyway, speaking of vacation, the Simply 127 podcast is going to have a bit of a summer vacation, too. We usually release an episode every other week, and we're going to take a break on July 21st and August 4th. 
So our next episode will drop on August 18th. And from there, we'll go straight through releasing every other week until we release episode 40, which will be the finale of season two. That will release on September 29th. Sorry for all the dates. I just wanted to catch you guys up on our plans. So take the next month or so, listen to an episode that you might have missed or share an episode with a friend. And we look forward to finishing season two strong after this break. Thanks so much, guys. 